from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Folklife Today. I'm John Fenn, the Head of Research and Programs at the American Folklife Center of the Library of Congress. I'm being joined by my usual co-host, Steve Winnick, who is our writer and editor and the creator of the Folklife Today blog. And as kind of our new normal for the time being, we're remotely recording this podcast from our homes. That's right. We're in separate locations joined by magic. And we're going to continue in the same vein of our last episode in which we talked about what some of our staff members have been doing from home. This episode will focus on two programs, Homegrown at Home and the Stay at Home Archive Challenge. To help us talk about these programs, we're being joined by Theo Austin and Jennifer Cutting. So just logically, because we've made the Stay at Home Archive Challenge part of Homegrown at Home, let's talk about that first. Good plan. So before we start, I'll just say for our listeners that the team that will be on this episode, John and Thea and Jennifer and me, is the team most directly responsible for most of our musical public programs at AFC. We get input from many other staff members, but the concerts and jams and other musical events are mostly handled by the four of us. So when we say we, we mean the American Folklife Center in general, but we also mean this team. So the Stay at Home Archive Challenge is an idea we came up with to help audiences connect with our collections. It kind of has its roots in two previous programs, one of which was the Archive Challenge, and Jennifer was the leader on that one, so she's going to tell us about that program. Thanks, Steve. Well, the Archive Challenge goes back to 2015, when the American Folklife Center was celebrating the centennial of Alan Lomax, the folklorist who headed our archive from 1937 to 1942. Now, we had to think of a way to carry the Lomax centennial theme to the annual Folk Alliance International Conference in Kansas City, Missouri. Folk Alliance is the world's largest gathering of the folk music industry and community. It's about 3,000 performers, record labels, booking agents, festivals, and venues representing 50 different countries attend that conference every year. You can think of it as a a massive folk trade association in a way. And our job was to think of a way to interest the Folk Alliance attendees in our Alan Lomax collections. So I came up with the idea of running a showcase stage and we would invite performers to do research in our online collections to pick out songs and tunes from the Lomax collections that really spoke to them to put their own creative spin on them and then perform them on this showcase stage. And I remember that well, because I was the co-MC of the event with Jennifer. Uh, For example, Peggy Seeger, who hadn't signed up to participate, just showed up and wanted to talk about Alan. So we cleared the stage and let her talk and got a great little vignette about Alan Lomax in London. And the event was memorably kicked off by Dom Flemons, a Grammy winner, who performed a Big Bill Brunzi song called Hey Hey Baby, among others. So let's hear a bit of that. Not too many words, but just enough. 
So again, that was Dom Flemons with Hey Hey Baby by Big Bill Brunzi, the very first song in the very first Archive Challenge. So how did the challenge go that year? Well, at that first Archive Challenge showcase, 17 very diverse artists brought the American Folklife Center's collection materials to a whole new audience. The sounds of Cajun, Appalachian, Gospel, Calypso, and cowboy music from our old wax cylinders and acetate discs, they came roaring to life again on that stage, and the audience ate it up. Luckily, that event was so successful, and the artists loved participating so much that Folk Alliance invited us to do it again the next year. And we realized that the following year was important too. It was the 40th anniversary of the American Folklife Center. So for that celebration, we thought we should broaden it from just being the Lomax Challenge to representing all of the American Folklife Center's collections. So we rebranded it as the Archive Challenge. Now, Jennifer, when some people hear challenge, they think it might be a contest, but it wasn't ever really a contest, was it? That's right. It wasn't a contest. The challenge is really that you're challenging yourself to sift through the collection material and find something really cool to begin with, then take that creative leap of making that song or tune your own and performing the results of your work to a live audience. And to make a long story short, it's been a great success and is now an annual event that everyone looks forward to at each year's Folk Alliance Conference. And I'll just mention that another perk for the performers is that we hire a videographer to shoot these showcases and place the individual song videos online at loc.gov. So if you search for Archive Challenge in the main search box on the Library of Congress website, you'll get a whole bunch of cool videos to watch. And we've also done Archive Challenge concerts here at the Library of Congress, or I guess I should say there at the Library of Congress, <laughs> in which we invited performers and groups who are mostly local to the D.C. area to do four-song mini-sets. So we encourage you to explore those videos online as well. And those videos aren't the only benefit to the Library of Congress, are they? No, the library gets a lot out of this. The research that these artists have done for the Archive Challenge in all its different forms has benefited the library in that our website and reading room are being used by real people for creative work, which is one of the library's guiding principles. It's also true that many wonderful collections have been digitized as a result of these artists' requests for listening copies of materials that are not yet online. And the real reward is that these artists who have fallen in love with our collections, they've kept our archive songs in their repertoires and recorded them on their albums. 
So they become kind of traveling goodwill ambassadors for the Library of Congress American Folklife Center archive. And they, and they brought so many great songs and tunes back into the living, circulating oral tradition. It's such a fantastic outcome, and it's, it's so wonderful to see every year. So now that we know a bit about the archive challenge, what about the stay-at-home aspect? Well, when the pandemic started, we all were thinking of ways to adapt our programming to this new situation. But we also started thinking about our friends and families and all kinds of people across the country who suddenly were spending more time at home than they were used to. And of course, we started seeing tons of homemade videos from all our musician friends whose gigs were all abruptly canceled. Uh, Jennifer and I, uh, as an aside, are in a Celtic band, and this happened right at St. Patrick's Day, as we well remember, so all of our gigs got canceled. Um, And Thea is in a musical group as well, several groups, and, and all of that public activity suddenly stopped. And we thought of ways we might get our musician friends, but also anyone who had extra time on their hands, to engage with our collections. And a few years ago, I was involved in a project to get people to share Halloween photos on Flickr with a special hashtag and a Creative Commons license so the Library of Congress could harvest the collections if it wanted to. And I thought we could use that idea of sharing on social media with a tag for homemade archive challenge performances. And it's not just limited to musical performances. You could, for example, paint a picture based on an archival photo, or cook a meal based on an archival recipe, and then share that on social media too. So, dear listeners, we are challenging you. Go hunting in our archive for an item that inspires you and do something with it. Indeed. Please, please do that. And we have some tips for how to do it, right? Yeah, the first thing we did was create a blog post over at Folklife Today that outlined the idea and told people where they could find our collections and some of the things they could do with them. So that's at blogs.loc.gov slash folklife. And if you search there for Home Archive Challenge, you'll find that blog post. So that's how you can get involved. Read the blog post and follow some of the instructions there. And to give you listeners a sense of what folks out there are doing, we're going to play for you the first response we got. It's from Marcus Howell, and he posted it on Instagram. It's a song about a bad flu outbreak in 1929, one of the kind of aftershocks of the 1918 pandemic. So this is Marcus Howell playing Influenza. called the flu people dying everywhere death was creeping through the air and the groan of the sick chill was there it was god's almighty hand he was judging this old land north and south east and west it can be seen yes he killed the rich and poor and is going to kill more if you don't away from the sin It was Memphis, Tennessee A doctor said it soon would be 
a fever, everybody should agree. Yes, it's dying everywhere. Death was creeping through the air, and the groan of the chicks it was there. It was God's almighty hand. He was judging this old land, north and south, east and west. It can be seen. Yes, he killed the rich and poor, and he gone. Again, Marcus Howell with Influenza, which he learned from a recording John and Ruby Lomax made of Ace Johnson in Texas in 1939. He sent me a nice email, too, saying how big a fan he is of the Library of Congress, which is always nice. So thanks to Marcus Howell. And in addition to that, we've gotten blues, ballads, banjo tunes, and some gospel. But we'd love to get more. So again, if you're interested in taking the Archive Challenge, you can record yourself performing one of our songs and post it to your social media accounts with our tags. Visit blogs.loc.gov folklife for more instructions. Great, and thanks, Steve. Now it's time to talk about what has really been the centerpiece of our summer programming, the Homegrown Concert Series. And we have Theodosia Austin here, who is our public events coordinator and the producer of that series. Hi, Thea. Hello. So... How is this year different from other years? Well, it's really different, John. Uh, we've been doing the Homegrown Concert Series for about 20 years. This is our 20th season. In a typical year, we would have begun our series in March or April, holding concerts once or twice a week through the summer and into the fall. And we normally hold them in either Coolidge Auditorium or Woodall Pavilion in the library's Jefferson Building, which are both really great venues for live music. But just as the series was gearing up to get started this year, the library made the very difficult decision to cancel all on-site public events because of the pandemic. So the concert team, which is largely us, quickly got moving and decided we needed to do something different, uh, a new format, consistent with social distancing and other safety practices. And this mostly means having artists record their own videos, either at home or in an empty studio, and then present them online. So we talked about what we wanted, and then I needed to essentially rebook the entire series and get the artists started on the recordings. And we're really excited about how it's turned out. And we're calling it Homegrown at Home, right? Yes, we were kind of kicking around different names like Homegrown From Home, but we knew some of the artists technically aren't doing it at home. Either they have good friends who are helping them with studio space, or they in some cases made on-location recordings. But wherever they were, we felt they were doing it there because they felt at home there. So we went with at home because we hope you'll feel at home watching musicians who feel at home. Now, Theo, you mentioned you had to rebook the entire series. Um, what was that process like? So we had a series entirely booked, a physical series in Coolidge. So the first thing I did was to talk to all of the artists we'd already were working with and find out which of them were interested in trying this new virtual format. Only one of the groups chose to do that. Most preferred to wait and try coming to the library 
um, in person in a year or two, you know, down the road. So from there, we worked on building almost an entirely new series with artists who were willing to try this new virtual approach. We had to think of artists who were traditional artists quarantining alone or with somebody that they could play with. Those were the first group that we thought of. But but I also went to Folk Alliance this year, which was a fantastic experience. And so I really wanted to work with some of the artists that I'd met there, including several who were in the Archive Challenge. So I contacted folks that we had talked about and we knew would do a great job. We care an enormous amount about traditional music, and we wanted to do what we could to try to keep artists working. Some of them had lost all or most of their work, and we wanted to keep help, help them stay employed. So that was a big motivator, and we were thrilled to be able to keep presenting the music in a format that would keep everyone safe. And how would you describe this format that we've come up with? Well, it it varies. For some artists, it's very basic. The artist performs solo with a guitar or piano in their backyard or home. But, uh, for instance, Sean Ardouin, a great Creole accordionist and singer, normally plays with larger groups. He decided to play live to a pre-recorded backing track for what he calls Creole Rock and Soul. So his set was done that way. Um, He played a couple of uh, accordion pieces solo, and those are also very, very interesting traditional pieces. Steve Riley, on the other hand, was quarantined with his family, so his kids, Burke and Dulcie, were in his band. They're only 10 and 7, but they were really good. Walter Parks, on the other hand, did something also really wonderful. He went to several locations in the Okefenokee Swamp, which is um, where his archive material came from. And he filmed footage in the swamp to give you to give us a sense of, of what it sounded like in the acoustical environment of the swamp. Then he took that re- those recordings back and worked with them in his studio and produced brand new versions in his studio. So you got to have both this, this feeling of what it was like to do it in, um, in the swamp and then his new version. So this series is a combination of two different avenues of performance that we've been developing for a while. We've, we've always honored and featured traditional artists who play music from communities they were born in and represent with incredible artistic achievement. But we're also developing another avenue of performance by very talented artists and researchers who deeply respect the traditions of master performers and pay homage by researching their music, both at the feet of the masters and by listening and learning from archival recordings of the kind that we have at the American Folklife Center. And this series has both kinds of performers. Yeah, and Thea was talking about Walter Parks, and he's a great example of a researcher performer. And I think all of us thought his video was pretty special. I first met Walter a few years ago at Folk Alliance. He was interested in the Francis Harper collection of Okefenokee swamp recordings, which is not a collection that gets used very much. So he and his wife, Margot, came to our table in the display room to talk to us about those collections. And it's, it's a great collection. There's wonderful stuff in it, including these terrific hollers. And he also had a video of himself performing some of the music because he had access to a copy of this collection that's in Georgia. 
And so he had learned some of the songs already. And he had this video of himself performing some of the songs, and it was just really haunting. So Jennifer and I have helped him with research over the years. Yes. And this last year, Walter signed up to perform in the Archive Challenge at Folk Alliance. So we worked with him on that. And then later he came through Washington, D.C. and did research in our very own Folk Life Reading Room. And we had the pleasure of really getting to know him. And we should say that he's a really accomplished musician who was Richie Havens' right-hand man and guitarist for 10 years. They performed all over the world. Uh, he's just a monster musician. Absolutely. It's been exciting working with him as he put together his ideas for this particular concert. And the amazing thing about his video is that he went down to the Okefenokee where the field recordings were made and went to the cabin where Tom Chesser, the singer on the recordings, used to live. He played on the porch. He stomped his foot. He brought those recordings back and incorporated them into his video. You know, and you could hear his stomping foot fade right from his stomping and playing on the porch to the studio version he did. And it gives you an incredible oral, you know, through line and an incredible sense of place that this music is rooted. This is new and different. This is something that we can't do in Coolidge Auditorium to give such a tangible sense of place. So many of the recordings that Walter used were hollers. That is, wordless but melodic cries that people use to identify themselves and communicate over long distances. So, for example, to warn your family you were coming home from a mile or so away. Everyone had their own holler, and you can be identified by the holler that you made. But sometimes the hollers got combined with song lyrics, too. So this is Walter Parks singing a hollering version of Nobody's Business. Absolutely amazing version of Nobody's Business by Walter Parks. How do we hear these concerts? Well, the concerts premiere on the American Folk Life Center's Facebook page each Wednesday at noon. And at the same time, they go live on the concert pages of um, loc.gov, in the main search engine on loc.gov, and on the library's YouTube channel. So you can watch them 
in any of those places starting at noon on Wednesdays. To catch that, go to facebook.com slash American Folklife Center, all one word, and look for the top post which should say, AFC plans to premiere a video. And at noon, a button should appear that says, watch live, and you click it. But the great thing is that once it airs, it's live forever on the web and YouTube. So you can catch all the past concerts. And to do that, just go to loc.gov slash concerts slash folklife. You'll see the entire list. Uh, fantastic. And as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there's an archive challenge aspect to this series too, isn't there? Yes, almost all the artists are playing at least one song they learned from our archival recordings, and some folks have recorded entire videos based on our material, like Walter Parks. And for that, as with archive challenges in the past, Jennifer and I have really helped the artists with collections research. So what are some of our favorites from the series? Well, the series kicked off with Steve Riley. He's, of course, a Cajun accordionist and a Grammy Award winner, and I had a connection with him in that I interviewed him for a magazine I used to write for about 25 years ago. So it was great to work with him again and show him around the online Louisiana collections. His own teacher and mentor, Dewey Valfa, is in some of our collections. And of course, it was also great to see his two kids, Burke, who's 10, and Dolzy, who's 7, and they're both great musicians. So here they are playing La Petite ou la Grosse. Again, that was the Riley Family Band with Steve Riley, and that was a, such a fun way to kick off this series. Um, one of my favorites is another family band performance um, by Sihasen. Sihasen is the duo of Janita and Clayson Benali, a brother and sister whose dad, Jones Benali, is a great tradition bearer. They're all from the Navajo Nation in Arizona. And we had the Benali family dancers here last year, and I got to meet with all of them. So let's listen to Sihasen with their dad. I'm hoping that you'd like to hear our father, Mr. Jones Benali. Our father is 
is known in the state of Arizona as a an as an Arizona living treasure and he is also one of the oldest hoop dancers I think maybe the oldest he is about 90 something and that's what we know right Shaja <laughs> Again, that was Sahasin from the Navajo Nation. I should say that you really should watch all the videos. Sahasin did their concert outdoors while maintaining social distance. Uh, they did it in the Arizona desert, and they brought along family members and even their horse, Moonwalker. It's, it's really fun to watch, and it, it also is one of those videos that gives you an incredible sense of place. One of the things I love about this video is that Sahasin is carving out new ways of making music while still revering and referencing tradition. You can see this so clearly in the video because of the place and the way they recorded it. Absolutely. I agree with you completely, Fia. Um, Jennifer, do you have a favorite? Well, I've loved all of the concerts. They're each so unique, and they all convey this amazing sense of place. But I'm going to give a special mention to the Swedish duo, Emma Björling and Petrus Johansson. Steve and I first saw Emma at Folk Alliance a few years ago with an a cappella women's vocal quartet late at night in one of those tiny hotel rooms at two or three in the morning. We were all crammed in there and we heard this amazing vocal quartet called Congero and Emma was singing with them. And in fact, she was doing one of the songs that she did in our concert. And then this past year, Emma performed at Folk Alliance with Sky Consort from Canada. She's just a really versatile singer, a wonderful singer. And so when we contacted her about doing a Homegrown at Home video, she suggested a guitarist, Petrus, who also adds perfect harmony vocals here and there. It's just a charming concert. And this is a song I absolutely fell in love with when we heard Emma do it with Congero. I practically wore out their CD when I got home playing this song over and over and over again. And <laughs> 
So again, that was Emma Bierling and Petrus Johansson with Sjomansbrud. There are more words in that title, I'll admit, but Swedish folk fans will know which song it is with that abbreviated title, and it gets me out of pronouncing any more Swedish with my embarrassing accent. So, Thea, who do you want to highlight? It's impossible to pick a favorite. I've loved working with every single artist in the series. Some like Jangren, Molly Mason, and Carmen Didi, I've known for decades, and others I've met more recently, but I've fallen in love with everybody's music and and their talent. So I want to highlight everyone. <laughs> so I'm going to just list all of the performers in the series. And I, I hope that people take the time to to watch um, all of their concerts. We had the Riley family band, that's Steve Riley and his his two boys, John McCutcheon, Sehassen, Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, Emma Bjorling and Petrus Johansson, Sean Ardouin, Jay Unger and Molly Mason, Walter Parks, Carmen Agrediti, and Iona Fife, Eva Selina and Peter Stan, Anne Yao, Cy Khan and Joe Jenks, Reggie Harris, Don Flemons, Phil Wiggins, Chum Gek, and Changui Mahadero. Each concert is completely different. They all have their own feel, they're, and they're just, they're wonderful. So I, I hope people will take the time to listen to them. But, but um, I'm going to say let's hear from Sean Ardwan, special friend, with a song called Keep On Moving." Sean is a fantastic musician, the son of Lawrence Ardwan and grandson of uh, Boisek Ardwan and relative of Amade Ardwan, who kind of started the whole Cajun Creole genre. Sean's song is one of the pieces that gets furthest from the traditional music in our series this year, but it still builds on tradition. Great. Let's hear it. Seems like the grass is always greener And the river is oh so wide Now the leaves are turned and the sun won't shine in my eyes My mama said, boy, when you give your word you You gon' miss it until it runs dry But I did want this now I just gotta wonder why why the clouds keep coming and the flowers won't bloom This can't be my life, I don't know what to do But I'm gonna keep on moving and everything will be just fine Alright, alright Once again, that was Sean Ardwan with Keep On Moving and I think we have to keep on moving because we're getting to the end of our show. So tune in for the rest of our concerts. You can see the entire series at loc.gov slash concerts slash folklife. And please take the archive challenge. You can find out how at blogs.loc.gov slash folklife. We do have one more piece of music to play us out. Uh, because one of the concerts in the series was Jay Unger and Molly Mason, and they played their famous farewell tune from Ken Burns' The Civil War documentary, A Show Con Farewell, we're going to let them say farewell to y'all. But before we hear that, we should thank our guests, Jennifer Cutting and Theodosia Austin. Thanks for coming, y'all. Thank you. Great to be here.
And we also want to thank our engineer, John Gold. Uh, again, he didn't do his usual setup or recording in the studio because we can't even go to the studio, but he's going to do lots of audio magic to it now that it's recorded. And we want to thank our colleagues throughout the Library of Congress who will have to deploy this podcast remotely. The Library of Congress really has done a great job of making it possible for us to do our jobs from home, and we really do appreciate having jobs and having colleagues who do their jobs so well under such difficult circumstances. So let's finish off again with Jay Unger and Molly Mason playing Ashokan Farewell. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.